Well, hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us uh, again on this, what it is, These Nails Don't Have Reverse. Uh, I'm Carlo, and I'm here with Eric. How you doing, buddy? I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> so we want to continue our conversation on deception. We've been, for the last episode, just talking about basically the, the garden of um, uh, with Adam and Eve, yep, and and the snake, Satan, there. Um, so we just want to take it, take it back there, and and go to to that wrap all that. I mean, there's a lot to talk about, a lot to discuss over there when it comes down to to deception, which is the focus that we've been um, doing. And last episode we talked about. Um, well, we were talking about the best lies that Satan yeah, has, the best lies. and um, how many of us, at some point, we think that we are a good person. Yeah, and because we're a good person, then we're going to receive eternal life, uh, which is a lie, because uh, no one is good. Yeah, there's no one that does what God wants. Um, we talked about how sin is forgiven. And we started touching on losing our salvation, which is, is a question that any believer, any follower of Christ at some point is going to have. And I think even the disciples were hesitant of, of who they were following and how they, you know, if, if, they, if they had salvation, if they had um I mean, maybe even thinking if they were worthy of receiving God's gift, which again, we no, no one is. But there's a lot of deception there in, in the church and in, in Christians. Um, so we're, we're going to touching on that today. Um, so why don't you get started, Eric? Well, we're, we keep going to Genesis, first of all, because for years I overlooked how much profound truth there is in Genesis. And I also think it's it's uh, consistent with the Bible to be simple. Um, there's a verse in the New Testament that uh, mentions that I've being, he says, I fear lest you be deceived as Eve was from the simplicity that is in Christ. And I do believe that Christian life is intended to be simple, and I believe God's design of it is simple, but I think we've made it more complicated than it has to be. Mm-hmm. So, I love one in Genesis because uh, you can learn an incredible amount of truth from the story of Adam and Eve in the first couple chapters of the Bible that haven't. And, and the beauty of it is that the truths of that have not changed, in my opinion. Um, the very way that the devil deceived Eve, his tactic, what he used to deceive her, the the bait, so to speak, it's not changed. And to me, that that's what God designed because the Bible says God is not the author of confusion. So you know, when you just go to church every week and you're not digging in and reading the Bible for yourself and you're listening to, you know, whether it be podcasts or sermons or all these different sources and you're hearing how to be better at this and how we should do this and being a, you know, better husband and a better father and we're supposed to share the gospel. It, it becomes so overwhelming. And I think we need to keep it and get it back to the simple because that's, I believe, what God wants. So when you go there and you look at the story 
And my, my, you know, I have a cousin named Roy who I love talking to about the Bible. We constantly are texting back and forth. And he calls what I'm about to explain, he calls it my thesis, which I don't even really know what that means. But so when I went through... You're you a know, simple man. Yeah, yeah, right. When I went through uh, the visiting churches around Columbus with my family, like all the different religious systems, and I didn't know why I was doing it, but I knew... I wanted my kids when they were still under my roof to experience all these different churches. And we went and sat at the Catholic church and we went um, to all the ones that were open. It was during COVID. So some of them weren't even open, but we went to every different type of religious system we could. And we spent a few months doing that, jumping to one, one to the next. And, and I, what I was, what I knew going into it is this, I knew there was a way to, uh, to explain all of them, they, I knew they all had to have a consistent theme because I know they're all of the devil. And I know that he has one tactic because that's never changed because I know that God's truth is simple, even though it might not be easy and it might be profound. It doesn't change the fact that it's simple. So as I started going through, what I came ultimately to realize is this so-called thesis. And I want to share it because I'm going to refer to it multiple times mm-hmm. because it connects to a lot of different things. But this is it. The thesis is this, that in the garden, God had a relationship with Adam and Eve, and it talks about how he walked with them in the garden. Mm -hmm. Okay. And also we know that Satan offered Adam and Eve fruit from a tree. I do also think no one really, you know, people need to spend a little more time thinking about why the tree was called what it was called and all the effects that the actual knowledge of good and evil had, because I think that's a whole nother fascinating yet simple um, mm-hmm. amount of truth there, but so he offered them a fruit. Well, and then let's connect that to, or add to that, the fact. So that was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And Satan was offering mankind a fruit from that tree, which he promised them would give them knowledge. Mm-hmm. And it, he promised them that they could be like God. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which by the way, has always been Satan's goal. He never once got out of bed, so to speak, and decided he was going to try to conquer God because he knew he never could. Mm-hmm. His only his fall was because he wanted to be like God in his pride. So that's important to, to realize that Satan never did plan an attack against God. He never, you know, had so you any... you think that he planned, he, he wanted... So he knew that he couldn't defeat God. Yeah. So he just wanted to be side by side with him? He wanted, he wanted to get the same glory... And he wanted, because, you know, the I wills of Isaiah, he says, I will ascend uh, upon the mount of the congregation. Well, what does that sound like? Yeah. He wanted an audience. Yeah. And then at the end of his I wills, he says, I will be like the most high. He he wanted to get the same glory and receive the same worship that God gets. That's That was his ultimate goal. And it still is his ultimate goal. Mm-hmm. And we know that during like the last days, during the tribulation, he's going to actually have a period of time where he is going to sit on a throne which, by the way, I believe the very place where that throne is in Jerusalem is exactly where God created Adam from the dust of the ground. I believe it's the exact same spot on the globe where Satan will sit and demand worship from the world mm-hmm. because his goal has always been to be worshipped equivalent to or to the same capacity as God has, is worshipped because God is the only difference is God deserves the glory and mm-hmm. he deserves the worship. But anyway, so... Um, so, <clears throat> so you think that Jerusalem is where Eden was? I think, I think that the dust that God scooped out of the ground to create Adam mm-hmm. 
I think that 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 spot is exactly where the throne will be that Satan sits on. That's interesting. And demands worship from. Now that's you know that's one of those things right. that you can agree to disagree on right. because it's not anything related to like doctrine or anything. Right. But it is interesting to think about. And there's mm-hmm. some passages we can't get into that, or we won't get to what we're wanting to get to. But it, it is an interesting theory, so to speak. Well, we know that over the ages that there's something about that spot. That, yeah. That it has always the attention has always been on that spot. It's the epicenter of mankind. Yeah. The most holy, yeah, and there's multiple religions that call it the most holy place. Yeah, so yeah, it's it's extremely significant. Yeah, either way, it's an interesting thought. Um, so Satan offers that fruit, and he promises those things. And God had his relationship with with Adam and Eve through through the you know through the garden before they sinned, before they did the fruit. So my theory is this, my thesis, whatever, is that even today, no matter honestly, no matter if you're saved or not saved. I believe that it hasn't changed, okay? Because the Bible talks about the cross and calls it a tree, okay? So Jesus died on a cross. The Bible says, cursed is any man who hangs on a tree. So we can call the cross a tree. It's fair to say the cross is a tree. Well, on top of that, um, we can call the tree, the the fruit, we can call what Jesus did on a tree fruit because he bore the sin of the world, okay? And even, even Jesus even goes as far in some of the gospels to talk about he who doesn't, eat my flesh and drink my blood is not worthy of me. So he is something that can be consumed. And in fact, in order to get saved, we have to consume in, we have to, you know, to make him the Lord of our life and consume. So Colin, the, and I think we so, touched on that when, when Jesus said, if you don't eat yeah. my flesh and drink my blood. Yeah. So if that, so we're going to call the cross, the tree of life. Now it's interesting. There's a tree of life in the garden of Eden. Mm-hmm. We know in Genesis after, after the deception of Eve, God even says we need to get Adam and Eve out of the garden before they eat of the tree of life and live forever. So there was a tree of life in the Garden of Eden, and there's also promised to be a tree of life in the next, you know, in the uh, new heaven, new earth, because it's mentioned in Revelation 22, a tree of life. Mm-hmm. Okay, so mm-hmm. we're going to call the cross the tree of life, and Revelation, I think it's Revelation 22. You said, yeah, mentions a tree of life in the uh, by yes. the maybe by the river flowing from the throne or something like that. The river of life says, then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. So there's, yeah, so So there you go. 12 types of fruit even off of this Mm -hmm. tree of life. So, you have a tree of life in the garden. You have a tree of life in the new heaven. So we're going to call the cross the tree of life because I think it's fair to call it that. Okay, so so here we are, 2,000 years removed from Jesus dying on this tree and this fruit that God offers still mm-hmm. today. So the offer that God gives, I believe, um, that every man is given an offer from God to this fruit. It's the gospel, mm-hmm. right? And the fruit, so the promise of this fruit is very simple. It is that you will have a relationship with God to know him, right? Because Jesus says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Anyone who hears my voice opens the door. I will come in and dine with him and he with me and abiding in him. And so we know that God's promise is nothing more, but more importantly, nothing less than a relationship with him. That's what his fruit will give us. Mm -hmm. Consuming the fruit from the tree of life, the cross gives us a relationship with God. And I believe that 
the way to understand all religious systems that are false doctrines, and we know that we know they're not all right. It might be distur- it might just be disturbing, and it might be troubling to us to think about. But we know that most of the big religions of the world are false religions, mm-hmm. and I think the way to understand all of them in the same diagnosis or the same sentence is that Satan has also offered a fruit, the same fruit he offered Eve, that he offers to every man, and it is that you will be like God. Okay, and so when they take that fruit and it could come in a lot of different forms with all the religions and all the different doctrinal systems that are out there and, you know, all the theories on how you get to heaven or whatever. And but they're all, I believe, the same in the fact that it's the devil, because I believe religion is his playground. And I believe that it's simply put, it's the devil offering mankind a fruit, promising them the same exact thing he promised Eve Mm -hmm. to be like God. Because we have a desire to be like God in our pride. And you couple that with the fact that the tree was the knowledge of good and evil. And we've created in our own mind a way to, that we think we can be good. Mm-hmm. And honestly, some people think that they can actually, that they are better than God. And this is why, because they think that God's punishment for sin is too harsh. Mm-hmm. And eternal damnation is too much. Mm-hmm. And so they actually think they're more moral. And they're actually more good, if that's proper English, more gooder. No, it's not, definitely not that's proper English. Not. No, you can't say that. They believe they're even more yeah. moral and better than God himself because they would never send someone to eternal punishment for the sins that they committed, right? So so I want to put that out there because mm-hmm. it's a very simple way to understand the difference because the the... Christianity, we even say, and I've heard my pastor say, and you've probably heard your pastor say, Christianity is not a religion. Mm-hmm. It's a relationship. Mm-hmm. I've heard my pastor say it over and over. Oh, well, this years. point is a cliche. Yeah. You know, that, that sounds like something that a Christian would say. Yeah. And, and it loses its meaning when it gets over said, but it doesn't mean that it's not a true a yeah. truth. Right. Um, yeah, it was never about religion. It has always been, you know, when, when God put Adam and Eve there, he didn't give them a, a system of beliefs. He didn't give them, all right, if you want to come to me, these are the things that you, yeah. you need to do or not do. And there weren't any sacrifices that they needed to do. Of course, there was no sin. Uh, but still, like... Uh, sacrifices or offerings, I should say. They didn't need to bring anything to God. They didn't need to do anything other than the one rule. The one rule. Right? And that was the the way I see it. Um, I mean, of course, it was to test their faithfulness. But it was so they could see how much they loved God. Yes. That's exactly what I was hoping you'd say. That's exactly it. Um, It it was about the heart. If, if, if you will. And we're going back to the heart. Yeah. It's so they could see where their heart was. Too bad that to find out where their heart was meant to bring punishment over the whole creation. Yeah. And, and this is another one that you hear pastors say all the time that, you know, we put all this on Adam and Eve. But if it was any of us, we would have done it too. Right. And, and from there, a lot of people that do not want to believe in God, 
they have a hard time with with that statement because they they think well so then he created something that was flawed flawed yeah flawed yeah that that was broken right from the get go if if anyone would have done it then we were doomed right and and it's like well yeah we were doomed but that's why we need god that was the way to to show us and again a lot of people have a hard time because it is harsh it means eternal condemnation if you deny him right right if you do not put your trust not on yourself but on him for your salvation and it's a hard price to pay but he also he wasn't going to leave us there just to our own devices he was providing the the way back and he provided it from the beginning from the moment that adam and eve sin and i think we mentioned this before he provided he clothed them yeah he provided and where this skins came from well you know whether he sacrificed an animal or just came up with them it's the symbol of a a sacrifice that took place yeah so somebody else had to die in order for them to be covered from their sin their right. shame um i think it's interesting also to know that at that point it was just covering yes their shame right where with christ we not only have him covered he got rid of them of our shame and our sin yeah so because he promised eternal life right and that's from the moment you believe mm -hmm. so if you don't believe in eternal security then you just simply don't believe what jesus said because he said i would give you eternal life mm -hmm. eternal starting today forever <laughs> not there was no there was no uh parentheses there was no yeah you don't have to wait fine you print. get there there was no fine print mm -hmm. he said eternal life period yeah 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 he said i i have come the enemy has come to uh steal seek and destroy or oh uh, still destroy and uh murder yeah i have come so you can have life and have it in abundance yeah and and the the word have is present tense have it now yes not so that you will have exactly he's saying now yes right yes we go to john 3:16 whoever believes in him um for god so loved the world that whoever believes in him shall not die but have present eternal life yeah so we can have this eternal life right now but doesn't mean we're going to heaven right now Yeah. We're not going to his presence spiritual. Well, I shouldn't say that because we can get to his presence. That's what's so great about Jesus sacrifice that we can enter into his presence Even through holy. That's Hebrews says holy to the three yes. grace. Yes. Um but you know, we will at some point we'll leave, leave this physical body and and this earth and go into his presence, eternal presence. Um but even in the meantime, we can access that we have the resources well the resource just the one resource that we need right which is jesus a sacrifice that makes us perfect and that that doesn't mean we are perfect i'm not claiming to be perfect i'm still a sinner but i have been forgiven 
And through Christ, he makes me perfect. Perfect to be able to get to the presence of God yeah. in prayer, in worship. And I can, like you said, boldly go before him. And that's why you can pray anywhere. You know, before Old Testament times, you would, uh, or in Old Testament times, you, you needed to go, they would go to pray to the temple. And that's where God's presence was. And he got rid of that. Right. He died. And when he died, a lot of things happened in that moment. And one of them that seems very, uh, you know, like in movies when they show you a little detail that it almost goes over your head. But then later on, you realize that that little detail had a lot of, of uh, yeah. uh, consequences significance, or significance. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think when you read uh, the moment that Jesus dies, it says there were there was darkness. It says dead people came back to life. We go over that. I mean, just imagine that, that there are all these things happening. And then people, all of a sudden, they see their relatives walking. Yeah. Like, you've been dead for 20 <laughs> years. What's going on? Um, it says that there were earthquakes. Yep. And I think they needed the earthquake, so the tombs would open so yeah, people right. could come out. I don't know. But then it says, and in the temple, the curtain was ripped, torn. torn. Yeah. And it says, and now if you read what this curtain was, it was a division in the temple that only the, the high priest could go in and only he could do it once a year and he could only do it if he had blood to offer. Otherwise, he would die. And what was on the other side of that curtain, it was a thick curtain. It was a, a, a high curtain. Uh, it was the presence of God. Yeah. And it says there in the Bible that it was torn from the top down. And it's almost like God grabbed it and just ripped it apart. And it says... You know, you don't need this anymore. I'm not even there. And he wasn't there at that point anyways. They were just going through the motions. They were going through their religion. Right. And God, it was like God was telling them, guys, stop it. There's nothing there. You don't need this. Back there, out on, on the cross, on the tree, that's where it's at. Yeah. That's, where, that's all you need from now on. And it's so significant to know that there is nothing between you and I and God and that Jesus is that bridge yeah or or that that I mean he said I'm the door yeah right he's the one that we can go through he is the only one that we can go through to get to God so anything outside of that is just made up stuff that Satan came up with to distract us, to deceive us from seeing the truth and the, and the right way to get to God. Yeah. So how about then losing our salvation? Yeah. How, how do we, or how, I mean, yeah, like I said, all of us at some point, we doubt our salvation. So... Is there such a thing as losing your salvation? 
almost every religion, virtually every religion outside of non-denominational and Baptists, which, as they say, non-denominational non-denominational churches or Baptist churches with better websites, but <laughs> like most all of them, mm-hmm. you know, that's like the one thing they won't they won't bite on. That's the one that they work around. It's like so if you picture like a, a center circle, right? And inside that circle is is the group that believes in not losing your salvation. Mm-hmm. And there's just so few in that circle. And I think that's interesting in itself because although they might line up doctrinally on most of the other issues, they'll just find themselves outside of that circle, right? And they have a lot of ways of explaining it, whether it be that, you know, we have to keep a hold of his hand or, you know, we have to... Uh, we have to maintain it or we, uh, but however they get there, most of them fall outside of that circle. Okay. And so my question would be along with a thousand other ones, because there's so many angles to take on eternal security and I've heard a lot of them, but, um, my question would be, how can you have an actual love relationship with a father? If you are constantly in fear that he's going to kick you out the back door of the house and put you on the street. Because that's the promise of the Bible, right? And that's what makes Christianity different. Like I I heard a pastor one time explain he had a dream about all the religions of the world. And they were all represented by a bowling ball. And all the bowling balls in this whole room or whatever were black. And there was one that was white. Okay, so the white bowling ball represented true the true gospel of Christianity. That white ball had the word done on it. And all the other balls had the word do. Okay, so unless you can rest in your salvation and trust God that you are secure, I just don't know how you actually even accomplish having a true love relationship with the God of the universe, Mm -hmm. no different, or at least on a way bigger scale than your own earthly father. It would be ridiculous, right, if I told my son, I love you. Um, I could never, how could I tell him I loved him unconditionally if I'm like, now listen, here, there's some things you got to do here, and as long as you do those things, we're, we're going to be close. And anytime you want, we can talk, we can share, we can you know walk, we can uh, have fellowship as long as you live to this standard. And if you don't, then I, even though I love you, I'm going to flip you out the back door, mm-hmm. and you're going to be on the street, and you're no longer going to even be my son. I'm going to disown you mm-hmm. because of your sin if you do these things. I mean, that concept sounds so ridiculous, even in human terms, but yet most religions believe it to be true mm-hmm. in in earthly versus heavenly mm-hmm. terms with the creator of the universe as if he would create such a system. Mm-hmm. Uh, because we got to remember that the reason why there was a choice from the beginning is because without a choice, then there can't be love. Okay. And so God allows us to choose because he wants us to truly love him. And he wants us to have what we want. Mm -hmm. So he had to give us choices. And the beauty of it is the one choice, the one time in the tree of life to eat the fruit has eternal consequences. Mm -hmm. And so my answer is no, there's no way, because that is another gospel. As the Bible talks about, I believe it's in uh, Timothy. That's another gospel. Mm -hmm. And those people are believing in another Jesus, because the one that you see throughout the whole Bible, the thread of Jesus from Genesis to Revelation Mm -hmm. is a story of him redeeming those that are lost and giving them eternal life and being the author and the finisher of their faith. Mm -hmm. 
and all of the promises throughout and all the pictures in the Old Testament of the fact that he truly did die for us and belief in him is the, the result of that is, is a relationship with him, a, a very secure one where, and, and the funny thing is most people in the religious realm, they think that that simply gives people, you know, a freedom to sin. But that's just not the way it is because God knew the way we work. He knew the way we're wired. And he knew that the motivation for devotion comes from love, unconditional love. Mm -hmm. Not, oh, God loves me no matter what I do. Well, I'm going to go out and cheat on my wife and mm -hmm. do this and do that and get on drugs and destroy my... Because he loves me no matter what. That's not the way it ever works because when you take it to heart... Or even more subtle things like, you know, it's just a lie. You know, it doesn't doesn't really hurt. God still loves me. And then just another lie and another lie. And then you make it a habit of lying. Or uh, there there are some, like, we always focus on the really bad things for some reason. The really bad ones, yeah. The the really bad sins. Yeah. Really bad. Yeah. You know, in our... Quote, end yeah. quote. Right. Um, but then things like, you know, and it's in the Ten Commandments, uh, coveting. You know, how many times we, we, we're just driving around and we look at a nice car and we start coveting it. Yeah. And, right. and we can we can become miserable thinking, I don't have that and I want that. And and we go on around our day, around our lives, and, and we do these things. We sometimes don't even think about them as sins. And they're really poisoning our hearts. Yeah. And, but then... It could be any sin anyways, you know, that we can come to that cycle of, well, it's, you know, I'm okay. I'll confess. He'll forgive me and I can move on uh, and then do it again. Right. Yeah. Uh, and that's where you start wondering, are you really saved? Yeah. So it's not that you're losing your salvation, but it's more like, were you ever really in? Yeah, right. Did he really, did, not that he didn't do it, but did you allow him to come and, and transform your life and make you a new creation? Right. Because if you're a new creation, then you're different from what you used to be. Yeah. So all of those things uh, um, need to change. First um, John 3, 9 touches a little bit on that. It says, um, verse 9, 1 John 3, 9. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. That there alone, I think it says a lot. <laughs> yeah, it sure does. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. So do we believe the Bible at that point? Because most people in religious systems that look into the whole Christianity, as we call it, mm -hmm. Their their first and their 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 scapegoat their first the first ammunition they pull out right is that is that we get we can live like the devil mm -hmm. and they think we live like the devil when we believe that Jesus paid it all mm -hmm. but the problem is the reason why Jesus paid it all is so that we come to a place where we say that as the song says all to him we owe because mm -hmm. he wants all of us mm -hmm. so he paid it all but so that for those people what are they saying about that verse are they saying that they don't that God lied in his own book because mm -hmm. it's pretty it doesn't say I think or there's a good chance, but it says that they flat out that's that's very black and white. Yeah. 
No one, it says, no one born of God, and we understand by born of God, meaning those who have been redeemed yeah. by Jesus, yeah. by Jesus' sacrifice. Those who have been born again, if born you will. Again. Yeah. Right? And again, that's another cliche word. Yep. But it's biblical. You know, that's what Jesus told Nicodemus. You need to be born again. Yep. So all of those, um, none of none of those actually, none of those who have been born of God make practice of sinning. Make a practice of sinning. And and notice that he doesn't say no one who is born of God sin. Yes. There's a big difference between yes. saying no one who, who believes in the Son uh, is going to sin. Yeah. That's not what it's saying. It's saying makes a practice of sinning. Yeah. In this version. Yes. There are there are other other wordings of that. Um, <clears throat> but the idea is is the act of um, like what, what things? Like, yeah, what things do you practice? Like a broken record type thing. Yes. Um, um, you know, one thing that I I do, and this is just silly me. Years ago, now I don't know, over ten years ago, I learned how to solve a Rubik's cube, and then I forgot how to solve it, and I had to relearn it, and then again I forgot, and I had to I couldn't find my original method to solve it, so I had to learn a new way to solve it. Wow! So what I do, if if I and and I, I want to do this every day, and sometimes I don't, but most days I do, just before I go to work. Or when I come back, I have my Rubik's Cube there on my side table uh, in my bedroom. And I shuffle it and I solve it just one time. But I do it once a day. And that's why I don't have to forget. That's why I don't have to relearn it yeah. if I forget. That's so I can keep it fresh in my mind. Yeah. So that is practice. Yeah. I want to keep practicing that so I don't forget. Yeah. Well, that is positive example of what this verse is saying yeah is like i shouldn't do that i should forget like let's think me learning the rubik's cube represents my sin my my habitual sin well what what god did he grabbed it threw it away forgot about it i need to forget about it too but if i'm going every day to try to remember it to try to regurgitate it to try to keep it and pet it basically because many times that's what we do with our, our our sin we treat it like a pet yeah right come here you know when mm -hmm. you come home and your pet comes and, and and we do that and it's just again one little lie you know it's not going to hurt anyone um one look one thought yeah and and like i said with with my my cube it's just one time I, I don't do it over and over and over just one time one day one time a day and then I move on with my day. But that keeps it fresh, right? Well, I don't want to keep my sin fresh. Yeah. I want it to rot. And it rotted. It was, it was pretty much destroyed by Jesus' sacrifice. So why do I keep bringing it? Yeah. Does that mean then that if I keep doing that, I'm not a believer? I'm not saved? Well, that's the tricky part, isn't it? Because it sounds pretty clear to me in this verse. No one born born of God makes a practice of sinning. Right. 
I know. And then, well, let's couple that with back to Genesis. One. Before we move, move to that, because the verse is not done there, it says, for God's seed abides oh, in him. It's perfect. Okay. Right? We're going through the fruit. You know, what's the seed? The seed carries the fruit. It grows, sprouts, and bears a fruit. So, so you have God's seed in you. So, and then it says, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. I'm going to read Genesis 1, 12, and then you read that again mm -hmm. because it ties absolutely perfect. And again, we're going back to Genesis and we're simplifying right out of Genesis, the first couple chapters, mm -hmm. truths that have never changed. But this says, when we're talking about creation, it says, and the earth, Genesis 1, 12, and the earth brought forth grass and herb yielding seed after his kind and the tree yielding fruit whose seed was in itself after his kind. And God saw that it was good. Mm -hmm. So we're talking about a tree that yields fruit, and it says whose seed was in itself. Mm -hmm. Read that again and tell me if that doesn't directly connect with what you just read. So no one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's, for God's seed abides in him. Seed and, in him. Yeah. There you go. This says, whose seed was in itself mm -hmm. after his kind. And that says, his seed abides in him. Mm -hmm. Same thing. Yeah. So, direct connection to back to Genesis and to a tree and to fruit from a tree. Right there in the New Testament. Simple, right? Not easy, but and not and, and quite profound, mm -hmm. but yet simple. Mm -hmm. That everything bears seed within itself from creation till now. Whether it be man, because even the Bible talks about men being a tree, it connects men to trees. Mm -hmm. So whether it be a, an actual tree or a type of plant or you know grass, as it talks about, mm -hmm. or a man, everything bears seed within itself. So everything living produces after its yeah. own kind. Yeah. Well, there you go, because that's why the Bible says you will know them by their fruit, by fruits. because they're producing after their kind, which is God living in them, Jesus, those who believe that he did pay it all, those who trust him with their eternal life, and that bears fruit after its kind, mm -hmm. period. That's it, it's, yeah. a, it's an amazing connection. There. Yeah, it's great. So to somebody wondering, am I saved? Am I truly saved? And we know that, uh, and I was actually talking to your brother about this, because, and he's actually going to preach on this. I'm not going to give anything away, but I think the title is clever of his message is uh, Believe or Follow. And what I was telling him is, I think that we have gotten, again, one of, of the devil's greatest lies is religion. And it's this system that uh, he has made us believe that makes us get closer to to God. You need to do this, do this, do this, do this. So to be a, a believer, obviously you have to believe. But what does that believe mean? Because many times we, we, I think that we think, oh yeah, I, I believe in, in, in God. I believe in Jesus. Well, we know the verse. Even the demons believe. Even the demons believe. Right? But that doesn't mean anything. So what does believe mean? And I think we have uh, what's the word? Systematized, systemized. We have made a system yeah. out of this 
uh, simple truth that Jesus told us, that, that is the, the come and follow me. Um, he, he, that's all he required from his disciples. He didn't tell them, you're going to need to do this and this yeah. and that. You're going to need to leave this. Mm -hmm. You're going to need to stop doing this. You're going to need to start doing this. He just said, come and follow me. But we say, okay, to be a believer, you, you need to first believe in him. But you also, at some point, you need to be disciple. Um, you're also going to need to get baptized. You need to come to church. You need to pray. And then all of a sudden, it's a big burden. Yeah. Because like, oh, I need to do all these things. I thought yeah. it was just believing. Right. Or on the other hand, you, you stop at, yeah, I believe. But then you make a practice of sinning. Yeah. Right. And you, you do not grow. There is no growth. And, and going back to the, the plant or the tree analogy, the plant or the tree, and, and Jesus said it himself, um, uh, God is the one that brings the growth. The plant doesn't do anything. Yeah, right. And then, so if we are... Because in that verse that you just read, it says basically that everything living had its own seed, carried its own seed within itself. Within itself. So in a way, we are, well, we are a living thing. Yeah, we're not plants. We have a conscience and we're aware. Right. And, and, and all of these things that separate us from plants. But we are similar to a plant in that we have seed in us that is to bear fruit. And I mean, of course, one of those is with children, but in the spiritual sense, we also need to bear fruit. So how do I know if I am saved? What's the fruit? Well, in that, and that's something interesting I just thought of in that, like, isn't the very reason why we have seed is for none other than reproduction period. Right? Mm -hmm. Like the purpose of the fact that everything bears seed within itself has no other reason to be there other than to reproduce. That's the whole purpose for the seed in the first place. You can do a study on seed in the Bible and find that we do have seed. Mm -hmm. The seed of Abraham, there's seed all the way through. But that's an interesting thing to think about is that the very fact that there is a seed in us mm -hmm. is a message from God saying you're supposed to reproduce and you're going to produce fruit, mm -hmm. period. Because if, if someone walked into the apple orchard mm -hmm. in the fall when it's time to go get the pumpkins and all that, mm -hmm. and they pick an apples off of a tree and there was a cluster of grapes on the tree... I'm pretty sure it might make the news, hmm. but yet in Christianity, since we've, like you said, what we've done and watered it down and all this, it's okay that a tree that is supposed to be of God bears fruit of sin because that's just the way it is. But why is it that in the natural world, there's no tree <laughs> that is bearing, mm -hmm. although there is going to be in heaven, there's no tree right now that bears apples and oranges and, mm -hmm. and pears and all, multiple fruits within the same tree. Mm -hmm. And if it did, I promise you it'd be on the news and everyone would be talking mm -hmm. about it. And it'd be like a, mm -hmm. it'd be the eighth wonder of the world, right? Yeah. But in Christianity, there's something, it's different. We've made it different. Mm -hmm. It's now acceptable. And even if there is no fruit, that's okay too. Mm -hmm. Well, that's, you know, they're struggling or they're, they're just not as uh, strong of a Christian as so to speak mm -hmm. as this person. When there's no fruit to be found, that's even okay. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's interesting. So then knowing that, once you know that, like, you know, how do you know if you are saved and you say, well, it's 
um, there has to be the fruit, there has to be the evidence. So our first tendency is right away, oh, well, then I need to stop doing certain things and I need to start doing certain things. Yeah. And we try to produce this fruit ourselves. Yes. And we, we talked also about this a while ago, how we need to stay connected to the, to the tree. We need to stay connected to the, a to branch the on the ground by itself cannot bear fruit. Yeah. The branch, when we try to do it on our own, when we try to be, um, to bring that evidence up, that fruit on our own up, strength. On our own strength is like that branch on the ground by itself trying to bear fruit. It's not going to do it. Right. The branch there, it's by itself. Yeah. Again, the growth comes from God. God is the one that is going to make us bear the fruit. Right. Our only job is to stay connected to Him. Yeah. Right. Is is to make sure that that we are not falling from from the tree. Yes. Um, how do we do that? Well, again, we can't. We just grab onto what we have. Yeah. We we trust in, in God. We pray. We we read our Bible. We encourage one another. We check on one another because the, the seed is very subtle. And the moment that we think we got it, that's when we lose it. Yeah. Right? Right. Or we we if we're if we're thinking we got it, maybe we lost it a long time ago. So it's Tricky. Well, and we can we can add in here real quick that since we're talking about things being simple, then let's go back and think about in the garden. So God gave Adam and Eve one command. One. Mm -hmm. Well, modern day Christianity, even if you're trying and you might be doing as you're saying, struggling in your own flesh and you go to all these different resources to hear and you mm -hmm. seem like there's there's 10 different things I need to be doing and I got to start doing them right now, right? At mm -hmm. one time. But I don't think that's the way it's meant to be either, because I think for us now, as a believer, I believe it's turned... Or, okay, so he gave him one command, thou shalt not, right? Mm -hmm. Basically, you do everything you want to do, except for this one thing. Mm -hmm. well, I think the command is flipped in the fact that now it's one thing that he says... So if there is one thing that God would say for us to do, then it's. I think it's pretty clear. I think the New Testament makes it pretty clear what it is. Mm -hmm. I believe it's to love God with all of our heart, soul, mm -hmm. mind, and strength. I believe we could wake up and instead of thinking about how I'm going to be a better dad, I'm going to be a better this, better that, I'm going to learn more about this. And, you know, instead of all that, if we just got up every day and pictured ourselves similar to what Adam and Eve were walking and they had a relationship, we should have that, right? Mm -hmm. Because that's what salvation does. Mm -hmm. And God says, just do one thing. Love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And if you do that, then everything else falls into place, period. Mm -hmm. That's it. Mm -hmm. You don't need to apply five steps to this or that in your life anywhere because yeah. if you love God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, everything falls into place. And, and so there is one command. Essentially, is it fair to say there's one command for us? Well, that's what Jesus said. But we want to make it about all the <laughs> symptoms, right? Yeah. We want to make it about like, I'm going to get better at this category in my own strength. I'm going to get better at this. And Jesus says, no, it's so much more simple than that. Just love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Yeah. And if you do that, you don't, the rest of it happens on its own because you're going to be truly connected. Like you were saying, the branch, you'll mm -hmm. be connected 100% and he'll start flowing. His life will start flowing through you maximum capacity, mm -hmm. you know, but we're, we're trying to rabbit trail around yeah. that. 
and, and accomplish all the other commandments, yeah. we're never going to do it. Or on the flip side, you, you <clears throat> going back to, to 1 John and, and the practice of sinning, we start getting closer to the edge. You know, like just playing mm -hmm. uh, with sin because we're connected to, to the, the tree and God will forgive me. And yeah, he will, but it's a dangerous place to go. So on one side, don't do it on your own. Don't try to, to get to him on your own. Just let love him and let him love you. And he will put those desires in your heart. He will change your heart. Um, you just need to stay connected to him. And, and for, for others, just stop messing with sin. Yeah. Let him, let his love cover you and bring you to him. And, and he'll, he'll take, uh, he'll take all of those desires away. And, and just one last verse. And again, this can go long. Uh, we could do another episode on this, but this is Romans 7, 15. This is Paul talking. He says, for I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. And there you're for a moment, you're like, wait a minute. Yeah. Isn't God's seed in you? Then he said, that is in my flesh. Yeah. So in his flesh, he still realizes that there's nothing good in him. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. And that's the struggle of the Christian. Because we have the two natures. We have the sinful nature, but we have, when we come to know him and trust in him, we have his divine nature, his spiritual nature that, like we read, is in us, abides in us. So the two are in a struggle, but we need to focus on the fact that Jesus already conquered sin. Yeah. And we need to stay close to him. That doesn't mean that we're not going to struggle, but it has to be a struggle, right? We're not, we're not making a practice, a habit out of sinning right so i am saved but i'm in this this battle you know our 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 battle is not against flesh but it's against the spiritual realm right but there has to be a battle yeah so how do i know if i'm saved well what are your desires in your heart do you desire to love god to stay close to god or do you are, are, are you giving up on the battle? Are you like, oh, well, right. you know, it's tricky. Yeah. Uh, but that's why we need to stay close to him. It's, it's hard, but it's, yeah, it's, it's, we can say it's hard and we can also say it's simple. Yeah. Because we know there's one answer. There's one, there's one command that we can do that accomplishes, that takes care of the, the rest, take care of themselves. Mm -hmm. We know that, in order, okay, so Satan's fruit 
is, you know, I found a verse earlier that is interesting. Uh, it says, it's in Proverbs 20, 17, it says, Bread of deceit is sweet to a man, but afterwards his mouth shall be filled with gravel. Hmm. So we know deceit comes ultimately from the devil. And this verse is saying that it is sweet to a man, so we know that it's something they want and mm -hmm. that tastes good. Why? Because it feeds their pride. Mm -hmm. So the devil knows that we have pride, and that's how his fruit is accomplished in us consuming, or those who consume his fruit within any religion and even within Christianity to a certain extent, because they decide, well, I'm going to focus on knowledge, mm -hmm. first of all. We know what the Bible says about knowledge, and I want to be like God. It sounds really, even almost sounds admirable mm -hmm. to be like God. So, and they get to keep their pride. And the gospel, obviously, we know, is defined by humility, mm -hmm. which is the exact opposite of pride. The, the way to eat the fruit that God offers, you, you, you must be humble to consume the fruit. In order to eat the fruit the devil offers, you can keep your pride. And there's no humility required because you're signing up to be like him. You know, the relationship isn't the focus. It's to be like him. Mm -hmm. And so even within these systems where they create this good what it, what it means to be a moral or good person and whether whatever activity it may be that they say like makes you good or you give money and you give time and you feed the homeless and you do this and you go overseas and you help, you know, the other countries or whatever, all that. They're trying to be like God. Mm -hmm. If they don't believe the gospel that Jesus shared and they don't believe that they're eternally secure in that and that Jesus did pay it all, then they're producing a, uh, they're, they're attempting to be like him. Mm -hmm. And the relationship isn't there in that. They mm -hmm. don't have, they don't walk with God in the garden. You know, like the song says, he walks with me and talks with me. They don't do that. Why? Because they're too busy trying to be like him mm -hmm. instead. And they're trying to go around and produce good works. And the people that have accepted the gospel, although they, like you said, they still sin, but they've humbled themselves and they understand that Jesus is the only way mm -hmm. to get to heaven, period. And they know they're not earning. There's no pride in it the whole way through. Um, so it, I think it's a helpful way to understand. Like, it, it is simple. I know most people don't think this is simple. In fact, we had a, a lady over the other night and a um, friend. And she's not a believer. And she even said, like, the exact word she said was, it's just, it's just total chaos and it's so confusing. Talking about religion as a whole, well, yeah, good. congratulations, the devil. Because mm -hmm. that's what he wants. Mm -hmm. That's why the Bible says God isn't the author of confusion. And as, if, if you ever find truth, like in the depths of the Bible, it, it needs to come back simple. I think it does. I think that's the indicator. It shouldn't be complicated. Now, is it easy? No. But it should be simple because I think God made it simple. And to me, Satan's fruit, God's fruit, be like him. Satan says, God says, have a relationship with me. Humble yourself before me. For Satan says, no, you can be like him. You can mm -hmm. keep your pride. You can have knowledge. You can learn. You know, that that's if it's that simple, then yeah. I like to view it that simple because then it, it really cuts to the heart of the matter because God wants to fellowship with us. Yeah. He doesn't want us to try in our own strength to be like him or produce our own righteousness. He loves us, mm -hmm. period. And he wants us to know that we're his children and that we're forever secure in that mm -hmm. so that we can trust him mm -hmm. and we're not... You know, spirit of fear, we're not supposed to live in a spirit of fear. We're supposed to be confident mm -hmm. in our salvation, not because of our own, uh, not because of our own holiness, mm -hmm. but because of what he's promised in his sacrifice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we can't produce holiness. 
No. Only, only he can yeah. give it to us. Right. All right. We're going to stop here. Um, maybe there are questions out there. Maybe you heard this and you're doubting if you were saved or not. If you trusted in Jesus, it is really all you need. And he will start producing that fruit in you. Yeah. He's going to start producing that love for him. So there, the, the enemy is going to want to, to trick you and make you think, deceive you into thinking you're probably not saved. But just look at your fruit. Look at the evidence in your life. And if you need to, to come to him and tell him, I need you, Jesus. I know I'm not saved. Just go ahead and do it. Sometimes it's, it's, uh, it's good to have that assurance for your own peace of mind that you have come to him and told him, I trust in you. I believe in you. I love you. Um, but then just let him work through you. Yep. Well, thank you for Amen. listening. If you made it to the end, congratulations <laughs> to you. We admire. I don't think that we even would have made it to the end. <laughs> well, no, hopefully we had. I don't know. Anyway, we'll see you next time. We'll see you.